Hallelujah. Well, this is a good day. Best day we ever had. You know what's interesting? You know, I'd preached a week before I left on this verse, and this is the one John Sheesby started out with. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law. Catch that. God sent his Son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, where thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, through Christ. Did you catch that? Remember a while ago we said, we're no longer servants. We're not even friends. We're sons. You remember? And, and he made a comment about the, the, the man that was in this house, is in the bed, and this friend came over and started knocking on the door and said he had someone come and he needed something to eat. And, and he said, no, I'm, I'm in, in the house in the bed. And he said, I can't get up, but he kept on. But he says, what? A friend stands outside and knocks, wanting something, but the sons are in the bed with the father. Did you catch that? You're not the servant knocking and keep on knocking, trying to get something from your father. You're a son that's in the house with the father. Come on, let me say that again. You're not a servant asking for something. You're a son that's in the house with the Father. And we're going to talk about fathering today. We talked about the, the Father of all fathers. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ, grace be to you and peace from God our Father. From God who? Our Father. Don't just to think of God, think of your Father. So we need to move away from this idea of who we got as God He's your father. God is your father. He's not this being up there sitting somewhere that's watching everything you do, going to thump you on the head if you get out of line. Okay? You've got to change the image of who this father is. And we'll hopefully we'll get that done today. It says, From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, catch that again, not only made us accepted in the beloved, but he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. What? In heavenly places in Christ. According as he had chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Now when he sees you, he sees you holy and without blame before him in love. That's all he can see of you. That's who you are. That's what he planned for you before the foundation of the world. In Christ. For a time such as this, you are a son and a daughter of the Father that loves you. You're not a servant. You're not a friend. You're a son and a daughter. Let's go home. Amen. No. I'm telling you, that's good. Amen. Having predestined us to the adoption of children. All that word predestined means, means is he predetermined us as adopted children by Christ to, him, to where? To himself. Catch that to himself. I want us to get out of this idea. You need to get saved so when you die, you go to heaven. I got news for you. It's not about going to heaven. Jesus didn't say that I'm going to go to heaven. 
Jesus said, I'm going to my Father. Now that's different. It's not about going to heaven. When you go here, you're going to your Father. That's where you're going. You're going to his household. We're talking about this morning. In my Father's house, we'll get there in a second, are many mansions. Oh, just give me a little cabin over in the glory of Canaan land. Have you heard that, Bob? All I want is just to get there, just a little cabin over in the corner of glory. It's enough for me. No. Here's what it says in the Greek. In my father's big house, there are many rooms. You're not going to go and get a cabin over in glory land somewhere. You're going into the father's house. You got a room in the father's house. You're not just going to make it by the skin of your teeth and just get some little cabin. You're going to be in a room with the father because the father has a family and you're part of that family. You see the difference? See, that Old Testament, old thinking stuff's different from the new. You're no longer servants. You're no longer friends. You're sons and daughters in the family of God. We are just what? Pilgrims here in this world because we have our citizenship in heaven with the Father. Now keep that in mind as we read this. Amen? Are you getting it? Lord, help us get it. When Jesus became that offering for sin, and when he was resurrected, everything changed. Everything changed for us. It exchanged into a brand new creation. In John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. And that word's agitated. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto where? Myself. Catch it? Where are you going to? Myself. He's coming back for us, to him. All right. That where I am, there you will be also. Now catch that. Wherever he is, you will be. You're not going to be trampsing off over in the corner of glory land somewhere all by yourself. You're going to be with him. Now our minds, natural minds can't see all this. But we are the body of Christ. We are his body. And he's coming back after his body. And we also the bride. Figure all that out. If you get all that figured out, come explain it to me. I'd like to have that figured out too. But you know what? By faith, I don't have to understand any of it. I know wherever he is, I'll be. Whether I go, you know, in the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not whether you go. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to heaven but by me. Is that what it says? What does it say? So what's your goal? Heaven or the Father? It's the Father. No man, catch that, cometh unto the Father but by me. You see how it begins to shift your thinking? You're not just some little something that's going to die and get to go to heaven and and, uh, stay away from the big God. You're not going to go to heaven as such. You're going to the Father, to his household, to him. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you had known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. He said, if you have known me, you'll know the Father. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it suffice us. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you? And yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, 
But the Father that dwelleth in me doeth the works. I want you to see something there. You cannot separate his words from his works. The words that I speak do the works. The words that I speak do the works. They're not my words. They're the Father's words. And the words produce the works. Okay? So as you see that, believe in me, said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, else believe for the very works' sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do. Uh, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now see, our image of God and our image of Christ is not the same. You know what it is? It's kind of like we've made it this way. Remember when Moses went, on the, went up and got the Ten Commandments and he come back and the glory was so strong the children of Israel didn't want to look on him? Because they scared him. And he had to put a veil over his face because they didn't want, they was afraid of what they saw. So there had to be a man to stand between God and, Moses, and the people. Moses was that man because the people couldn't stand to see that. So what's happened is, you remember even at one time when Samuel, God said to Samuel, we want a king like everyone else. We don't want to answer to him. We want a king so we don't have to deal with him. All right. And, and God said to Samuel, don't worry, Samuel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me so that they don't have to deal with me. So what you got here is, then here comes Jesus, and most of us still have that concept of what Christ is. Christ is a milder version of, a version of what he is because when you see Christ, he's not as mean. He's not as rough, judgmental. He's a milder version. That's not true. See, God sent his son to reveal himself to us. But we missed it. We're still looking at it legalistically that Jesus I like, but Father, that's a different deal. And if you had a rough childhood with a rough father, it's nearly impossible for you to see God the way he is. You'll see God the way your father was because he represents God to you. I don't know how many hundreds we've had to take through ministry. Because God is not like that. Psalms 27.10 says, If your father and your mother forsake you, I'll take you up. Isaiah 49 says, But Zion says, My God has forgotten me. My God has forsaken me. And he says what? Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, she may forget you. But I will not forget you. I've engraven you on the palms of my hands and your walls are continually before me. See, one of the first things God had to do for me to exchange my life was to show me he's not like my father. I know my father loved me, but he was not a good example of a father. See? And so my image of my dad was the image of him, but he's not that. He has to show you that's not who I am. And what was, what was Thomas said? Show us the father. We want to see him. Because at this point, they never even thought of Jesus as the father. He was totally different. But God sent his son to show the world who he is like. See? In his son. He said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. So remember, heaven's not the goal. The Father's the goal. But once you are exchanged your image for who the Father is, then you, you can know him. What did he say in Jeremiah 24, 7? 
I will give you a heart to know me. Not heaven, not ever, everything else. I'll give you a heart of love so you can know who I am. A God that loves us unconditionally. For God so loved us that he sent his son. Not only that, but it says in Romans 5, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. While we were enemies, George, he reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ. That's love. Not that we love God, but he loved us first and gave himself for us. You see, the, the heart of the Father is not the image that we've been portrayed. And see, it's not about becoming sons. It's because you are sons. See, under the legalistic old man thinking, you're always trying to become something. But when you exchange it for the new creation, and because you are sons, you're no longer pilgrims, you're no longer strangers, you're no longer servants and friends, you're, you're sons and daughters. To just get over it. Now, the scripture is real clear. We are servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're co-laborers with him, aren't we? Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministering to, but to minister and to give my life for a minute. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says he took upon himself the form of a servant. Being made in the form of man, he, he became a servant unto men. And what did Paul say? We become all things to all men. Why? As servants of God, sons of God, we serve. See the difference? As sons, we serve. He that's greatest among you, Jesus said, will be the servant of all. He wasn't trying to make you back a, a bond slave. He's saying if you're, Jesus was in the likeness of God, what does it say? Though he was in the form of God, what is that saying? He was just like his father because they were one. He made of himself no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant and humbled himself in the likeness of man and became a servant to all. Let that mind be in you which is in Christ. But see, you can serve as a son, not as a bond slave. Do you see the difference? See, we're part of the kingdom that we're working in as sons and daughters of God. No longer servants, no longer slaves, but sons of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's pretty awesome. Joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And he says, let this mind be in you. You know, in Malachi, it talks about the ends. It says what? The last verse in the Old Testament says that God will what? He will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the children to the father, lest he smite the earth with a curse. See, that's what the exchange does. What's he do? Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart. And I will give you a new spirit. I'll take away that stony heart. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. That word take away, George. I'll just set it over here. I'm going to set away that old stony heart over here, and I'm going to give you a new one, a brand new heart. See, the old heart cannot be changed, so it must be exchanged. And with that new heart, he says, I'll give you a heart to know me. And Hebrews 8 says, I'll write my laws in your heart and your mind, and I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. You'll be my sons and daughters. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? So you see that in John chapter 17. We see what Jesus was trying to say. What, so why did, why did Jesus come? He came to reveal the Father to, to us. He came to do that. John chapter 17, in verse 11, he says, Now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Now what is he saying there? 
so that you and I will be one just as him and the Father are one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. Now, what did Jesus say in John chapter 10? I am the door. Does he say that? John chapter 10. He says here, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pastor. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd give his life for the sheep. Now, Jesus didn't say, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. There is no other way to the Father except through me. I am that door to the Father. Not the door to heaven, the door to the Father. Right? So keep that in mind. Change your thinking from just getting to die and go to heaven, but to go to be with the Father. And you know when it says, I think there's a little, we've been made to set with him where? In heavenly places, with him in Christ. Where is Jesus now? He's seated with the Father. Right? So see, it's a family thing. It's not a, it's a, it's a whole new way of thinking from a slave to a son. And that's what he wants us to see. And he says, look here, let's go on here in, in verse, uh, all right, uh, verse 25 says, chapter 10, I told you before, and you believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Why did he say that? Why did Jesus say, I only say what he tells me to say? I only do what he tells me to do. Everything I do is what the Father's doing. It wasn't a big thing with him because the Father was in him. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 21? God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Where was God? In Christ. Where was Christ? In God. So is it a big stretch when I say you're living by the life of another? Is that a big stretch? You're living by the faith of another? Is that a big stretch? No. No. He said, if you abide in me and my words will abide in you, ask what you will. And he says, you'll bring forth fruit as you just live, learn to live by the life of another. Isn't that neat? That's all it's about. But Jesus said here, but you believe, says, but you believe not because you're not my sheep. As I have said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my, out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are what? What does that Greek word mean? One? One? It's real deep. It's real heavy. I and the Father are one. Well, he's saying you can't separate us. We're one. Now, what did Jesus pray in John 7? I pray that they be one. Did Jesus, do you think his prayer gets answered? I think so. If Jesus said that you and I are one as the Father and him is one, what do you think about that? It really doesn't matter what you think about that because we are one as he is one. We are one with another. He says, pray that they may be one as we are one, that the world may know something. The world may know that you've sent me. We are one with him. Jesus answered, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Jesus answered, saying, It's not for a good work you stone you, but for blasphemy, because you say you make yourself equal with God. Jesus answered and said, Is it not written in your law? And I said, You are God's. If he called them God's unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, 
Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blaspheme, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Believe for the very work's sake. Why is works important? These signs shall follow them that believe. It's very important for the works to be manifest. What does it say in the last chapter of John? If all the works that Jesus had done had been written down in the books, the world could not contain the books thereof. How many works are we talking about? Who knows? But why did Jesus come? To do all these works so you would know what? The Father sent him and he loves us. That's why the works are manifest. That's why works are important. When, when you allow the works of God to be made manifest, what did Paul, I didn't come to you with excellency's speech declaring to you the gospel, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith wouldn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power, supernatural power of God, the works of God. And what did Jesus say? Greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. And then he said in John, on, on over in John chapter 14, what did he say? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my words. And my Father and I will come and abide in you. If you keep my word, we will come and make our abode with you. Right? That's who we are. Now that was prophesied. And, and, and then he says, the comforter whom the Father will send in my name, he will take the things of mine and give it to you and show you who you are. But in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you and me are complete in him. What does complete mean? Is there anything lacking? Nothing. All of that's been freely given to us in Christ Jesus. As we see, it's all in the Father. You know, I was thinking about Moses. When Moses said to God, show me your glory. Isn't that what? Remember when Moses came down and it says what? The glory was so strong on him, the children of Israel could not stand to look, up, look upon him. But he says, this new covenant that we're in exceeds in the glory that Moses had. Doesn't it? And, and God said to Moses, you cannot see my glory, my face, and live. No man can see my face and live. Because that glory in the Old Testament was symbolic of the law. No one could look at that without dying. Right? That's death. It was, the, the law was what? To bring forth death. Amen? But here in the New Testament, John chapter 1 says what? And we beheld his glory. Christ. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, in the New Testament, you've got to see his glory to live. The Old Testament, the glory would kill you. In the New Testament, the glory gives you life. We beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace and truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, that follows chapter 3. That's a deep revelation. Therefore, verse 1, seeing we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, walking and crafting, handling the word of God deceitfully. 
but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the what? Image of God should shine. Who is in the image of God? Christ is the very image of God. The God of this world has blinded the church to who God really is. He's blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious glory of God that's in Christ Jesus should shine into the world. All right, now let's go on here. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, what kind of heart? A new heart, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God, God has shined it in the face of Jesus Christ. And we beholding as in a mirror the glory, the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, are being conformed into that very image even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Not another image, that very image. Christ is a very image and likeness of his Father. That's why he said, if you've seen me, you have seen your Father. You see the difference? See, when you start moving away from grace and start moving into legalism or or works righteousness or, or trying to earn something, you fall back under that curse of the old covenant where you're still what? trying to become sons. And you fall under that condemnation of servanthood, of trying to become, and you miss what you already are. And, and uh, down to, I, I was blessed. Somebody asked John Sheesby what he thought about this movement going on, GLC and all that that's going on with all this Jewish stuff. And he said, well, I visited him and paid him a personal visit, and I told him, that he's preaching another gospel. It's not the gospel that Jesus preached. And you're preaching another gospel. And what did Paul say after that? We don't even want to quote that. If any man preach another gospel, let him be what? Okay, I'm not saying it. You said it. But that's what it is. It's in the Bible. See, anytime you move away from your foundation of what Christ has done for you. You're in trouble. You know, when you, when you really see that, oh, look with me in Ephesians. I want to show you something here. Ephesians chapter 3. You know, that's not being hard, guys. I'm telling you. We have a responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth. We do. Because that rightly dividing that word of truth can mean the difference between life and death. It can mean the difference between, you know, having abundance or, or being cursed. And, and you've got to understand, anything that points away from Christ, we are to what? Looking unto Jesus, the what? Author and what? Does that mean everything in between? He that's begun a good work in you, George, he's going to finish it, isn't he? Is George going to have to help him? I hope not. No. See, he's the author and the finisher of our what? Of our faith. Now look here in... in in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, thank you, Lord. Man, where do I start? All right. He says here, 
verse 10, <clears throat> to the intent now and to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to his eternal purpose with your purpose in Christ our Lord, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now catch this. What does your version say? By the faith of him or by faith in him? How many of you know something? There's a little difference between in and of. Come on now. Don't shout me down. See, it's too often that one little word being changed, faith in him, the devils believe in God and tremble. But the devils don't have the faith of him. You with me? There's a difference. We don't live by our faith. We live by the faith of him. Catch it. In whom, if you have in him, get your little pencil and change it. In him we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We are living by the faith of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God, but faith of the Son of God. You've got to have faith in the Son of God to be able to live in faith of the Son of God. Do you see the difference? One little word, one little I instead of in him. See? And so we live by the faith of the Son of God. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulation, which is your glory, for this cause. Look, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he emphasizing here? He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father. See, God's eternal purpose from the foundation of the world as a father was through his son to have many more kids. Hebrews chapter 2 says he's a firstborn among many other glorified sons and daughters. He's the first among many more. What? Because the father wants more kids. Amen. He's, he's after a family. What, is, what family is it that don't want kids? How many kids wants a family? That's one of the sad things about America we got in the old Adamic seed is there's so many kids out there that don't have a clue about who their father is. They don't have a clue who their father is. That's why it's so important for you to understand that when you are born again, you are born again not of a corruptible seed but the incorruptible seed by your living father. It says God begets you. You are reborn into the family of God. As a son of God. As a daughter of God. It don't get any better than that. See, and that's the thing you have to contend for all that to see. He says here, uh, For this cause I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom every family in heaven and earth is is named. Stop right there. This is Father's Day. Every single father in this world gets his fatherhood because of the Father. Amen. That's right. Amen. Natural or supernatural. That's right. In Him, all fatherhood exists. And what is He saying? All families exist through the line of the Father. Every family in heaven and earth that's named comes from the Father of all fathers. You see how important it is to rightly understand. Your heavenly father is not just somebody up there sitting to judge you. Even the father said, Jesus said to the father, the father's not going to judge you. Father's committed all judgment to the son. And he said also something, no, I'm not going to judge you in that day. The words that I have spoken to you will judge you in that day. It's already spoken. Now, scripture says some men's sins go on before the judgment. Other sins follow after 
How many of you know you've already been judged? You've already been declared righteous. You've already been redeemed, declared sons and daughters of God. So you can what? Look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing that all these things are going to happen around you, what does it say? Be sure that you're found in peace of him without spot or blemish. How's that? Exchange life. Because you know who you are. You don't have to worry if you're going to be pleasing or not pleasing. Because why? He's already made you accepted in the beloved. You can't get any more accepted than you already are. Come on now. Don't shout me down. There may be a few of you, but don't shout me down. (coughs) See, all that matters is that you understand who you are. That makes a world of difference. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 24, 6 says, I will set my eyes upon them for good. I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give a heart, them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and they shall return to me with that whole new heart. God has given us a brand new heart. Amen? Jesus said in John 16, 26, That day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not, Unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Let me read that again. At that day you shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray for the the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. And because you have loved me and have believed that I am come out from God. God himself loves you. He didn't just love you through Christ. He says he loves you. You love me. He loves you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Catch the next one, the Everlasting Father. Jesus is your Everlasting Father. You can't separate Jesus as your Everlasting Father from your Heavenly Father. They're one. Jesus is called the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Jesus said, His words was His Father's words. His works were the Father's works. If you can't believe my words, believe for the work's sake. Amen? John chapter 5, verse 19. The Son can do nothing of Himself. What can the Son do by Himself? Nothing. What did Jesus say of yourselves? You can do what? Nothing. So what is everything we do without him? Nothing. He said, without me you can do what? Nothing. You got it? He says, the son can do nothing of of himself but what he sees the father doing. He said, but what things he sees the father do, for what things the father doth, these things also doeth the son likewise. Verse 21. For as the father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the son quickens whom he will. Amen. Romans eight eight says, But if the him that but if he, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal body. That God raised up whom he will, and the Son is raised up and he will quicken whom he will. And that's us. That's us. John fourteen twenty three, if a man love me. 
He will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. John G. Lake, I remember reading this. He looked in the mirror every morning, just like Freddie put on his tie and looked in the mirror this morning. John G. Lake, every morning, he got up and put on his suit, put on his tie, and he looked in that mirror, and he says, in this body dwells the God of the universe. And you wonder why he did all he did? Because he understood that in this body dwells the God of the universe. What would happen if every morning when you stand in the mirror, you looked and you say, in this body, Jesus said, God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, all of them are dwelling in you, that you really see yourself for who you are. And see, the real key is, that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. So he, we beholding us in that mirror are being exchanged even as by the Spirit of the Lord into that very image. But see, by faith you start out now. In this body dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, and you are completed. The God of the whole universe that's creating this universe, that this universe is still expanding greater than, than they even know and how far it is, that spoke that word is dwelling in you. Is that incredible or what? In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, and you are complete in him. Wow. You know, when Jesus was in the boat going across, and they was all upset because of the waves and the wind, and Jesus had already said, let's go to the other side. And he went and laid down and went to sleep. It says, Jesus lived by the faith of his father. Why? The father told him to go to the other side. So he went down, laid went down, went to sleep. And then he said to the disciples, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Why are you so fearful, you of little faith? And he got up and he spoke to the waves and the sea and he rebuked it. And what did they say about him? What manner of man is this? See, they'd been with him and see all the things he had done. He says, What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the seas obey him. You know, when Jesus went to Capernaum, and by the way, that's where he lived. That was his city. Scripture says Capernaum was his city. That's where most of his mighty miracles and wonders were done. And the centurion came to him and said, What? My servant is grievously sick. And he said, I will come and heal him. The centurion said, No. It's not necessary. I'm a man under authority. I understand what's going on here. All you have to say is the word, and my servant will be made whole. And now Jesus was astounded, it said. I've not found this kind of faith in the whole house of Israel. And he said, go your way, your servant's whole. And you think about all the places where where Jesus went and the things he did in Capernaum. And he said that many, he said to that centurion, many shall come from the east and the west and shut down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but what? The children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. Why? Because he saw their faith. Their faith was in what he did. Capernaum, Matthew 9, it says he came to his own city. And the sick of the palsy, seeing When he came into the house and they tore the roof off and he saw their faith and he said to the sick, what? Son, thy sins be forgiven you. 
And they threw a fit because he said what? Is it easier to say, rise and be healed, or the son that sins, that you may know the Son of God hath power on earth to forgive sins? That was in Capernaum. The rich ruler that Jairus, his daughter, that's raised from the dead, Capernaum. I may but touch the hem of his garment. This lady is another that that's on his way to, to Jairus, his daughter. That woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she touched him, and he said, be of good comfort, daughter. Your faith has made you whole. Two, two blind men came into the house. He said, believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yeah, yes, Lord, we believe you're able to do this. But you know what's staggering? Even though he did all these works, they still did not believe he was who he said he was. In Matthew, I'm going to close with this, Matthew 11, verse 23, he says to Capernaum, O thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in that day of judgment than for you. Why? Because most of his works were done right there. All those works, we don't know how many. If all the works that Jesus did had been written down, the world couldn't contain them all. And what did he say? And because you saw all those works, you still didn't believe in me. And you still didn't believe in my father. Amen? So see, we got to, we got to see that Jesus has come to reveal the father to us and who we are. That's why we're not just up here talking every week. We talk about new man and exchange. It's important that you know because of what Jesus has done for us, we're not who we used to be. That's who we were. It's not who we are. And ever since he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. We've been made to sit together with him. And everything exchanged from that moment he rose from the dead. That's why it's important for you to understand the book of Acts. What did they preach in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 4 says, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Christ. And great grace was upon them. What was upon them? Great grace. Hebrews said it's better that the heart be established with grace, not with works, uh, uh, you know, self-righteous works. And that's why it's important. Our life, our Christian life, didn't start until the resurrection. That's why they preached the resurrection. And the world is hanging around the cross. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the garden. Thank God for the whipping post. Thank God for the Christ, the cross. But Romans 4.25 says something. That he was crucified for all of our transgressions. All of that did was just get our past forgiven. But it was the resurrection that gave us the new life to live. That's the Christ that is, not the Christ that was. You've got to concentrate on the Christ that is. Christ in you, the what? Hope of glory. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we just ask, Lord, we ask you just to bless every father. Because every father here, we know that we're just fathers of the great father. And we have their fatherhood from you who is the great eternal father. And we just ask you, Lord, for grace for all of us to be better fathers. We want grace upon grace so we can be better fathers. And, Lord, we thank you for your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Go eat you a big old steak.